One side is you can hold currency, or the second side, you can hold assets. And your choice is going to make massive difference to your future. So the big question is this, how investors like us who weren't born with a silver spoon, successfully investing in property to create a passive income and still have a lifestyle now? That is the question. This podcast will give you the answers. I'm George Markoski and welcome to the Positive Property Show. Our mission is to empower 10,000 people to create financial freedom through property using the Markoski method. Join us. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? And welcome to our program. I qualify financial planner since 1992, and he's been doing crypto since 2015. He's a best-selling author. We've known each other for quite a while now, and today, tonight we're going to be talking about inflation because it's very important that you really get your head around how inflation works because it's going to affect you, and um, it's going to have a very, very big effect, and that's why we're talking to Jeremy today. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for having me, George. Good to see you again, mate. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, um, yeah, so post-pandemic inflation, you know, how to protect yourself from the upcoming surge in living costs. I guess first what I want to do is uh, let's get started and talk about inflation and how it works and what's happening at the moment because a lot of people don't realise what's going on. Inflation. How does inflation happen? Basically, it's just a function of central banks and governments printing too much money. So, you know, we used to joke about Zim, the Zimbillions when Zimbabwe's central bank started printing trillion-dollar notes. <laughs> yeah, that's I've, got, one. I've got one here, and this is actually... this A gold-plated one. Yeah, so this is Bank of Zimbabwe, $100 trillion. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Like, it's, it's a joke because people only caught on to it once it had become ridiculous. But what most people don't know is when Zimbabwe first gained independence in 1980, I think it was, um, their their dollar was worth uh, two British pounds. So their dollar had a very high value. That's amazing. Yeah. But um, obviously, you know, the government did silly things. They borrowed too much money. They planted infrastructure that went to nowhere. And the government was in a massive amount of debt. And exactly what happened to the Germans after World War One? they were in a massive amount of debt. And to repay the debt, they started printing more and more money. And if you start giving away money like it's monopoly money, it yep. very soon becomes very soon becomes worthless. And we've, we've seen this, like, in the, in the last sort of few months, we've been seeing some exciting stuff like property's gone up. Yay, that's great. That makes everybody think, oh, look, if I own property, then I'm rich, right? But property has gone up because you need more of the same money to buy the same property. Absolutely. So, and that's one of the things a lot of people don't realise what's going on because mm-hmm. there's two sides of this thing and that's what I want to talk about. One side is you can hold currency or the second side you can hold assets. And your choice is going to make massive difference to your future because one side of people are going to be the losers and the other side are going to be the winners. And what's going to happen is the wealthy investors, they know what to hold on to. They're smart. That's why they're wealthy. But yeah. the struggling investors and the poor investors, they're holding on to the wrong stuff right now. And we're going to talk about that in a minute because we're not going to reveal everything straight away. So make sure you stay tuned. But, <laughs> we'll um, ourselves. Right? I like exactly. to give away lots of stuff straight away. Yeah, I want, to, I want to hold this to the end because, not the end, but in, in a few minutes because I really want people to know that one side are going to be massive losers from this and I can see this happening and you know if you're a financial planner like you and I've you know I've been an investor for a long time 
the writing's on the wall. It's very clear, you know. But also, the weird part about this is, this is I've never seen this before ever. Because normally, you got high inflation, you got high interest, high interest rates at the same time, right? And normally, what happens is, like, let's say you got money in the bank. Like, for example, back in the eighties, we had a massive inflation. But if you put your money in the bank, you were getting 20 return. Yeah. Right. Everything else is going up too. But what happened was you're still losing money in the bank, but not too much because you still have that 16%. But at the moment, um, I've calculated, this is interesting, because you've heard the rule of seven, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if you get 10% a year in seven years, you're going to double your investment. And in property, property is not really the rule of seven because it takes around 10 years to, to double your money. Seven if you're lucky, but 10 years in general. Now, if you want to double your money in the bank at the moment, it's going to take 83 years. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to have to get cryogenically frozen. <laughs> oh, you're a healthy young buck, mate. You'll still be around in 100 years. You never know. I, look, I'm a biohacker. A lot of people know I'm a biohacker and I try a lot of different things and you never know. But it was going to take a long time. I'm not that patient, really. I want bigger, I want quite quicker returns. 83 years is a little bit too slow for my liking. So, you, you, want, you want to know an interesting stat, mate? Yeah. But there's there's 2,200 billionaires in the world, right? Only, 2,200, only, yep. yep. 2,216, something like that. 2,200 billionaires in the world. Now, obviously, when everybody started shopping from home last year, Amazon stock went up. Yep. Jeff Bezos increased his wealth by 20%. Bill Gates, I think, was about 13%. Warren Buffett was about 15%. So the average, average billionaire, of which there's only a few thousand in the world, their wealth went up by 20% last year. Huge. Wait for it. Wait for it. Elon Musk's wealth went up by 400%. Wow. He went from like number 56 billionaire to number three. So wow. how the hell did he increase his wealth by 400% when even the smartest, richest guys in the world well, are I only increasing that, And I'm not going to take your thunder because you can tell us later, but I've been looking at <laughs> this. And look, Elon Musk, one thing about him, He's a very smart man. Mm. That's the fact. And when he bets, he bets big. Because he he actually bet on PayPal and made hundreds of millions. Mm. Then he bet on SpaceX and Tesla and made billions. And now he did a different recently he did a different bet, which you're going to talk about later, I'm sure. <laughs> and he did very well out of that bet. Amazingly. Like, wow. And the guy's yeah. a genius, very smart. Because the fact of it is, you don't become the richest man by being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> But right. mo most people out there don't realise they've actually gotten poorer in the last 12 months. You know, even yes, if you were lucky enough to keep your job, if you're an essential worker like a nurse or a cleaner or something like that, you've been, you've been earning the same amount in dollars, but you don't realise that the dollars aren't worth what the dollars are anymore until you go shopping and you notice the price of petrol has gone up by 20%. Well, well look, um, last week I was interviewing um, a good friend of mine, Adam. He's, uh, he used to be a builder and he's in the building trade. Because as you know, we're in property. And he was telling me about what's happening to property. So at the moment in Queensland, if you want to buy wood to build property, one, it's gone up 30%. But if you order it now, you've got to wait over 12 months to get it. Mm -hmm. Now, one builder, he actually imported the 100 tonnes of steel from New Zealand just to keep up the demand. But wood prices, the price of wood, the price of commodities is going crazy. Now, lumber's up three hundred percent in the US. Yeah, that's what I heard. I saw that. I saw that part, like three hundred percent. So people don't get that. Like three hundred percent is big. Mm. It's massive. Normally, things go up by one or two percent a year. Yeah. 
not 300% overnight. And the impact of this is going to be huge, a lot bigger than what people expect. And what's going to happen is the people that are holding the wrong things, the, 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 the poor investors, the struggling investors, they're going to be broke. And you know what? This is the sad part. I don't think they could ever recover from this. Never. So um, funny enough, um, I had a, a potential client five years ago um, that was um, just before the last property boom. And he, he was uh, able to buy two properties. But he stuffed around, didn't get around to it. Now he can get zero. <laughs> so he's, he's finished the rest of his life probably. He might be able to get one investment property maybe in five or ten years' time if he's lucky, probably not. But sometimes when people um, diminish their wealth through holding the wrong things, can never recover sometimes. They're finished. Mm. And that's that part. And now, right now, as we speak, you know, we're going to look back towards what we're talking about tonight everyone watching tonight, seriously, you should be really paying attention and writing notes because you're going to be looking back towards tonight and going, fuck, I wish I listened to Jeremy. I wish I listened to George because this is so important. You know what Mate, I, mean? I told people to buy Bitcoin when it was under a thousand bucks and they're like, yeah, no, nah, it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and then they right. come back five years later and say, I wish I had listened, as you say. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So <clears throat> inflation, so interesting. So the RBA... They um interesting what they're doing. So they're not going to put the interest rates up until they see real wage growth. Because mm-hmm. that's how they can that's how they consider inflation. Now, wage growth, funny enough, right, has not really gone up much. It's uh, probably about 1.5%, which um is nothing really at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So so what I was gonna ask is who is responsible for inflation? Well, it's the it's the central banks. Yeah, because a lot of people think it's the prime minister, but it's not the prime minister. He doesn't control it. No, all, no. right? You, you see that stuff turned out every, every time it's time for an election. You know, the, the opposition party comes out and says, you know, under the last bloke, the, the interest rates were so high and the inflation rate was this. It's like he has no control. You know, our, our prime minister has no control over the Reserve Bank of Australia. No. In the US, the president has no control over the Fed. You know, they've exactly. got no control. It's a private agency. That's right, exactly. And who's in charge of that is the policymakers, central banks, and the senior management behind the scenes, mm. which we don't, we don't even know who they are. Like, no, nobody knows who they are. That's the funny. And so why do they call it um, fiat currency? Uh, because it's it's backed by faith. Like fiat is, is faith, semper fi, always faithful. Yep. So it's the, the faith in the actual currency, the faith in the country itself. Like if I gave you a US dollar back in the day, you know, probably pre- pre the last president or something like that, you would have thought that's actually valuable. That's actually worth something because I have trust in what was back then the largest economy in the world. Now they're not the largest economy in the world. China is, uh, spoiler alert. But, um, you know, you had faith in the US government that that $1 note or $100 note was actually a debt that the government owes you $100 worth of goods or services. And you had faith that they would pay it back. If I gave you a Japanese yen, you might not have so much faith in that currency because and Japanese, the, they've, yeah. they've been in the doldrums for the last 20, 30 years. Well, they have because they've got no population, they've got no immigration, there's a lot of things going on there. And so, funny enough, this 15th of August is going to be the 50th birthday of our fiat currency here in Australia. There you go. So, we're about to have our little big birthday party. 50th anniversary? Yep. Okay. I was trying to think. I was... It used to be pounds before that. Um, 1966, 14th of February, 1966. 
was okay. when we went to dollars and dollars and cents. There you go. So I'm wondering about that, the 15th of August. Why? No, that might, that might be something else. I'm going to Google that right now and have a look. <laughs> 14th of February, 1966. <coughs> there was a jingle so, so, that went with it more. Yeah, so there you go. I wasn't around then. What was it? 1966. Yeah, yeah. 1966. Yeah. So it's interesting. So, we haven't had the Australian dollar for that long. No. No, no. Before that, we had, we had pounds, shillings and pence. So that's what my, my folks grew up with. Oh, of course. Okay. So the deal is, I think um, we weren't floated for a while because when did they float the Australian dollar? They floated. Uh, 1982, 83, somewhere around there. They right. floated against the, yeah, against the US. Yeah, because yeah, before that, they it just it wasn't pegged or anything, was it? It was sort of just, it was quite powerful until it floated, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we, we may have been pegged against the the, um, the British pound, but they floated it against the US dollar, and of course the the, the value plummeted down to fifty four cents or something like that. So, yeah. which was good for tourism because Americans could come out to Australia and you know they're they're spending and they're getting twice as much value. But it wasn't good for anybody who wanted to travel overseas yeah. at that time. Well, the, the interesting thing was like it was, was four ninety five for a Big Mac meal here, but it cost you four ninety five in the US or the UK. But you're paying three times as much in the UK and twice as much in America because you're only getting half as much for your dollar. Yep. I know. I, I remember travelling when the Australian dollar was low to the mm. UK and America and every time I bought something, it was like painful. I was buying cocktails and um, I was with this um, property millionaire in Florida and we're sitting there and he was, he, and I was getting some great ideas from this guy, great guy from Melbourne, retired on property and I wanted to get some good ideas from him. And he loved apple teenies. So I thought, you love apple teenies? I love apple teenies. So I'm ordering up. He's ordering apple teenies. He's ordered like three or four rounds. I'm thinking, I better pay for a round. And I scrounged up for enough money to go to America. And I didn't have a lot of money. So I pull out a hundred dollar note. I go, here you go. And it was 50 cents to a dollar at the time. Mm. So, right. So that was $200. And I go, keep the change. And she was like, I need some more money. <laughs> these two apple teenies. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh, how embarrassing. I know, I know. So I blew a lot of money that night, but you know what? It was worth it for the education. You know, mm. you always get someone richer than you, buy them drinks, buy them coffee, buy them dinner, buy them lunch. Absolutely. I second that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so anyway, so inflation at the moment. So 300% in lumber. What else is going on in the world? Because everyone's printing a shitload of money. Yeah. Even Australia. I mean, the Reserve Bank, what are they doing? A hundred million a week or something yeah it is it is crazy numbers it's hard to keep track of it um yep. in, in the us it's been like up in the trillions it's like 20 30 trillion plus they've got like another 150 trillion dollars in debt that they can't actually pay off because the the interest on the debt is accumulating faster than the gdp of the country yep. so essentially you know for all intents and purposes america is actually bankrupt they're they're trading whilst insolvent um, but that's been going uh, for a while, though, hasn't it? I mean, <laughs> it was a company we would have stopped them a long time ago. Yeah, but they've got the biggest army in the world, and like they've got a few things going for them. So, um, because I've noticed, just, just um, wait, George, the, the, the Chinese has a larger standing army than the US. They do, but technology, maybe I don't know. You know, but the thing is, I mean, America—they've been bankrupt for a long time. Mm. Just, the debt just keeps going bigger, and I remember even twenty years ago, people going, "Oh my god." This much of debt, they're never going to be able to survive. But yeah. now look at the debt. Well, well maybe maybe this is you know I, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist here, mate. But maybe this is part of the deal um, because yeah, you know, like 
there was a time when one Zimbabwe dollar was worth a lot of money. That would actually yep. buy you like four loaves of bread. Yep. And over printing and printing and printing, then obviously, you know, the $100 trillion note that you've got there is, is worth, you know, less than 16 cents. Yep. Um, so the US has got this massive debt, which is now like $150 trillion, which to us sounds like a lot of money. Like that's a lot of money, right? But what if the US just keeps winding the printing press and winding the printing press until $150 trillion is what you'd actually go and pay for a loaf of bread? And exactly. this is why the, the people who actually borrow to invest in good assets, they yep. can use inflation to their advantage. Exactly. Because a few years ago, you know, I borrowed $100,000 to buy a house. Yep. And then by the time I actually had to pay the $100,000 back, the house had almost tripled in value. It went up by 250%. And the value of the $100,000 had actually shrunk down. Exactly. And Jeremy, you've just hit on one of my principles. So a lot of people ask me, they go, George, how do we pay off the house with your program? Because I'd only pay interest only because I want to reduce my payments and be able to um, have multiple properties because the more properties you expose to this sort of inflation, the better because they're growing all at the same time. The thing is, inflation eats away the loan. Mm. I remember I bought a house in Perth for $220,000 and I've got a loan of 180, which I still have. But now it's worth 760. So the loan is nothing. Like mm. it doesn't matter anymore. And that's the key. Inflation eats away the loan. But at the moment, it's going to eat it away so quick. It's not funny, which is great. Yeah. And what I want to do is, you know, since it takes 83 years to double my money in the bank, the bank may not be the best place to keep your money, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, like you said, in, in the 80s and 90s, when you were earning 15, 16% on a term deposit. You know, people could literally retire, stick a million dollars worth of cash in the bank. Yep. And even on 10% interest, I've got $100,000 income coming in. Even yep. on 5% interest, like it was in 1999, yep. um, on 5% interest, $50,000 a year, that's a good income, right? Yep. But now you're earning 1%, 0.5%, like you can't live on that. So anybody who's got money in cash is slowly getting poorer and poorer. But anybody really? who borrowed the cash yep. to invest in growth assets is getting richer and richer. Exactly. So now you've just answered the question. There's going to be people that are losers and winners. And the losers, you know, even though you think people with lots of money in the bank are winners, they are at the moment. But in six, 12 months, they're going to be losers. Seriously, if you've got money in the bank, I'd be really worried about that. And I'd be really wanting to educate myself and finding out what to do. Because what's going to happen is people that got real assets, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. And one of them is property. That's why it's called real estate. It's a real asset. And I'm a big property guy. And you talk about other assets, which I want to talk about tonight as well. And I think people that have got real assets, you're going to hedge against this inflation and you're going to grow and make money. And the people that have fiat currency or dollars or currency, whatever you want to call it, they're going to be losers. So what are real assets? Tell me what, what you consider real assets and you know, against hedging bet against this inflation. So I know you're really big on crypto. Mm. Ba basically, anything that's scarce, like a scarce commodity, like they're not making any more gold. You can't make any more copper. And yep. the more copper they dig out of the ground, the harder it is to get the next bit of copper, which is which is even deeper underground. Yeah, yes, like but... two two hundred years ago, we had the gold rush where you could go along with a pick and a shovel, and you could make your fortune just by taking the stuff off the surface. Yeah. But now we've got to dig like a kilometer under the ground to find the gold. So it's yes. getting scarcer and scarcer, but they can't make any more. This is why yes. I like Bitcoin, for example, because Bitcoin is one crypto that is scarce. There's only 21 million of them, whereas Dogecoin, they print 10 million of those things every single day. They just 
spring up like mushrooms. So wow. anything that's scarce, so you know that's that's why timber is is going up in price because they can't they can make make timber. It literally grows it takes twenty years though, doesn't it? But it, yeah, it takes twenty five years. Yep. So you know if you can get something that is scarce, you know your precious metals, obviously great investment. Property, great investment. They're not making any more land, and oh, it takes right. it takes time to build a new house. It takes time to build a new subdivision. That sort of stuff. And now so people will pay a premium rather than waiting. Yep. So, so I suppose this comes down to one of my principles, which you've hit on the head. And you're talking about demand and supply ratio. Because at the end of the day, there's only one thing that improves value over anything in life. <clears throat> and that's having more demand, less supply. <clears throat> that is really it. And then the thing that reduces the value of something is more supply, less demand. Yeah. And that's it. There's no more to it than that. There's more supply of money right now. That's it. Right. Less demand for money. People don't want to go out and get hold of fair currency. They want to actually get precious metals. They want to get the property. They want to get timber. That's right. Exactly. And the point is that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You don't want to hold on to something that's too much supply, especially if they're making a lot of it. And I, and I look, the Australian government's printing a lot of money, not compared to other countries, but still a lot. But I think our reason printing money is different to other countries. Okay. Yep. Tell me your theory. Okay, I'll tell you my theory. Well, one, the Australian economy has gotten better since COVID. Yep. Right? We've actually got um, a lot more money. People have paid off a lot more mortgages. People saved more money. We haven't, we've never saved this much in our lives. Australia's mm -hmm. the richest country in the world per capita. You know, I, we've beaten every other country. We're the richest country in the world per capita. We've got the most wealth in the whole world. And we're probably the one of the luckiest countries through COVID that actually... Um, made more money instead of less, mm. right? Where most countries got devastated. Now, the problem is, though, if we don't print money, our dollar is going to be worth so much money compared to everyone else printing like crazy. So yep. I, I believe that the Australian government or the Australian Reserve is printing like crazy just to keep up the Joneses so our Australian dollar doesn't get too high. Otherwise, it's going to stuff everything up. Yeah. That's what it looks like. No, no one's going to want to buy the Australian steel. To buy Australian steel or Australian gold or copper or wheat or wool or whatever, first they've got to buy Australian dollars yes. to settle the contract. Yep. And if the US dollar is tanking and going down, then they've got the reverse situation as to you buying the cocktails. The Americans are going to have to swap $1, get 50 cents Australian, and then try and go and buy some steel. So our government has to print more money when the US is printing more money so that our dollar doesn't go too high. Otherwise, people stop buying our stuff. Exactly, exactly. So that's exactly right. That's what, that's what we're doing. And because of that, we're in a very unique position here because we've got money, we're printing money, there's inflation, so you've got money to invest so you can curb that inflation in your pocket. If you can, if you can borrow anything at the moment and invest in something that's scarce, then you're likely to build your wealth because literally by the time you pay that, that loan off, the, the, the money is going to be worth significantly less. The loan's going to be worth significantly less and hopefully you've invested in the, in the right assets. Yep. So, so what, what I did a while ago, and this is what I was saying to people, because I'm, I'm big on property, as you know. I love property and I talk property and property is not the only investment out there. But I, what, I've, what I've seen is most successful people, they find one or two buckets and put all the energy in those one or two buckets. You know, there's this whole saying about diversify, 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 but then you don't know what you're doing and you're just going everywhere. 
So what I did is I said to people, look, because a lot of people asked me about crypto years ago. Mm. And I said, I'm not an expert in crypto, but there could be massive opportunity to make big dollars and it could be opportunity to lose big dollars, but get 1% or half percent of your wealth. Mm. Put it into crypto because if you lose it, it doesn't matter. But if you make it, you can actually make a big dent. Mm. And that's what I did. And it worked really well, you know. And make a really big dent. But if you're not, I mean, there's, there's crypto and there's crypto, same as there's property and there's property. So when you're talking about a, a good investment property is going to be, you know, in a large city rather than regional outback. That's right. It's going to be within five, ten kilometers of the CBD. You're going to get more growth than if you're living three or four hours from the CBD. So yeah. there's and and property in mining town was obviously very popular during the mining boom. But unfortunately, it skyrocketed. But then yep. as soon as the mining boom stopped, the properties dropped by eighty percent. Exactly. So there's good why. crypto, there's bad crypto, there's good property, there's bad property. Yep, totally. Mining mining towns are a bit like Dogecoin. You can make money, <laughs> but you're probably going to lose. So, yes. Yeah, so, okay, so with crypto, right? Now, one thing is true. I mean, if you put money in crypto, you, there's an opportunity for your assets to go up because dollars are going down. What, what, what would you do there? You know what I mean? What are your thoughts on crypto and how can you hedge you know, you're talking about gold here, crypto, copper, things like that. One one thing about copper and gold, they are very scarce. And obviously, all metals are scarce at the end of the day. However, I believe that technology reduces scarcity slowly and bit by bit in the future, which has happened many times with lots of stuff. I mean, at the moment, they're looking at mining seawater because, I mean, seawater, you can actually get seawater and create all the metals you want and clean water at the same time. And yeah. once you've got... Um, enough solar power, you could do it for free. The, the issue is that you need silver to make the solar panels. All right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's, and, and look, they're, they're looking at mining seawater uh, sea now to get the gold out because now that gold is like $2,000 an ounce, it's, it's actually worth, viable. That's right. Whereas then, before, you know, like years ago when, when gold was $300 an ounce, it wasn't yep. even worth drilling down past 800 metres. But now That's the price has gone up, so it's actually viable to do these things. And you know, if it's costing them twelve hundred, fifteen hundred dollars to pull an ounce of gold out, and the gold's only worth three hundred bucks, then they're going broke. But if the gold's going up in value, then absolutely they're going to keep hammering down. And funny enough, here in South Australia, they closed a lot of mines, like a lot of tin and copper mines. And now I reckon they're going to start opening again because they're, going to be, they're totally worth it. Um, yeah. The commodity commodities are, are going to be huge. And mm. funny enough. If you look at the last commodity boom we had, that's what fueled our property boom here in Australia. Mm. And now we've got, I feel like we've got quite a few factors, right? What's happening because we've got printing of money inflation, we've got the economy going up, we've got lack of property, there's a commodity boom going up, there's a lot of opportunities in so many different places, it's crazy. Yeah. So the, the challenge is the people don't know what to do. So how do you find out more about crypto? What do you do there, you know, if you're interested in crypto? Um, well, we actually started a not-for-profit organisation uh, five years ago when crypto, crypto was starting to get more popular back in like 2017, 2018. And there was a lot of scams because the more something is attractive to people, the more yep. scammers are going to jump on it. You know, every now and then you get a text message on your phone saying, you know, your Netflix account has been hacked or your national bank account is overdrawn. Click here. And it's yep. bullshit. It's a scam, right? Yep. Um, so there's there's a lot of scams out there. There's a lot of dodgy things where they take your money and run. So we started this thing called Crillionaire.com, C-R-Y, as in crypto millionaire merged together. Yep. Uh, Crillionaire.com, not-for-profit organisation. 
gives you the lowdown on where to get the best wallets, where to get the best coins, how to get free crypto, and how not to fall for the scams, because mm -hmm. that's really important. So we were actually running our, our crypto hedge fund for the last five years. And, and in 2017, 2018, when crypto went bananas, Cointelegraph came out and published and said 92% of the cryptos in the market at the moment are scams, absolute scams, 92%. 92%, wow. Yep. So because it just, it just ballooned out of nowhere. Like there was 10 cryptos and then all of a sudden there was thousands of them. And 92% of them were scams. And we used our little four-step system to make sure we avoided all the scams. So we had, we, we had like 50 coins at the time. But we'd done, you know, you do five minutes of research, you can avoid the 92% of scams. So we yep. got through that period. We had no scams. We had coins that went down, obviously, because they go up and down. But yep. none of them went bankrupt. None of them were rug pulls. None of them were scams. We got through there's that. been a few coins where people have just taken the money and run. Absolutely. There's a girl that went to Russia or something. What was that? What happened? Yeah, there? there's heaps. There is absolutely heaps. There was one um, DeFi 100, which was only in the last month or two, where they said, "Oh, we're a central, like a, like a central bank, but on on crypto, and you deposit your Bitcoin with us, and we're going to pay you 10% interest." And all oh, these people deposited their Bitcoin, and like millions and millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin. And then these guys put up a, a thing on their website saying, "We scammed you, suckers. There's nothing you can do." You're kidding! Wow. <laughs> Um, that's the problem. I mean, there's a lot of scam artists out there when it comes mm. to Bitcoin and things like that. And you know what? If something's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. Mm. Like, that's the fact of it. Because I knew this guy who was dealing with us when I was running a marketing company who was doing some printing for us. And he's like, George, I've got this fund where you put cash in and they give you 10% a month. A month? A month. And I said, 10% a month? Sounds... This is what I was like younger. So, you know, now if someone said that to me, I'd laugh in their face and never talk to them again. But at the time, I was like interested. He goes, oh, the guy's in Vanuatu. And I was actually going there for a holiday. So I thought, I might as well go visit the guy. All right? So anyway, so I'm there with my girlfriend at the time, and we get a cab out there. We go to this house, big mansion, four stories, glass, overlooking the water, with guys with Uzis outside. And I walk in, and I'm like, uh, at the time, my girlfriend's like, fuck, what the way are we taking? Is this some gangster or something? So anyway, I sat down and had a few drinks soon, overlooking. He's like, oh, George, you know what you need to do? Keep coming to Vanuatu and bring me suitcases of, suitcase of cash, and then I'll give you 10% and all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I didn't want to say anything. But yeah. soon, I'm thinking, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Um, and a guy who's doing the right thing generally doesn't have Uzi token machine gun guards around. Exactly. And the guy that invested, unfortunately, he lost all his money because what they were doing is they were recruiting people to get more people and just kept saying, oh, we had a problem with the platinum mine, but don't worry, you're going to get double this next month and just kept and just didn't give anyone any money. Mm -hmm. And this guy ended up um, getting invested by the but he's in Vanuatu, which is a bit of a tax haven, so I don't know what happened there, but I'm glad I didn't because you know what? The problem is when you're too greedy and it's too good to be true, you should not be doing it. You know, mm -hmm. I've really had enough of these get rich quick scams, um, unicorn at the end of the at the end of the rainbow. Making money takes time. Yeah. That's the fact. You, you can get ten percent a year. Yes. Absolutely you can get ten percent a year. Yes, not a and month. That's just bypassing the banks. But ten percent a month, no. Because no one's paying that much in interest. Uh, you, you can get ten percent a year because there's literally someone out there who's borrowing like on their credit card and they're paying eighteen percent interest. Yep, yep. So theoretically, yes, you can get ten percent a year on your money if you if you actually 
getting that or personal loans or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But what I'm saying is if it's too good to be true, you've got to be careful. That's yeah. the fact. That's one of the yeah. things. Because what, whatever you're receiving, someone else is, is sending out. If you're yeah. getting 10% a month, who out there in their right mind is paying you know, 18 or 20% interest a month? Especially no. at the moment, um, no. So, so the thing is, with inflation, how long is this going to last for? What's going to happen? What do you think? What are your predictions? <sighs> it's it's really interesting. Like they, they keep saying, unprecedented. You know, we're in uncharted waters. Mm. Um, but if you go right right back in history, you can actually see where this has literally collapsed empires. Like when the Roman Empire started, like a Roman silver coin was ninety nine point five percent silver, and by the end of the Roman uh, end of the Roman Empire, they had depreciated their currency, so it was like two percent silver. Yes, because they, they kept fought so many wars. Yes. Yep. Yep. What did they exactly. do? They put tin and copper in it, didn't they? Something. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So you, yeah. you were talking before about the anniversary of our, our currency. When the when the first Australian dollars came in, they made the you know five cents, 10, 10 cents, and there was a the fifty cents was a round coin when it first came out in nineteen sixty six, and yep. that was I think ninety. Two percent, whatever it was, it was a third of an ounce of silver in the round round sixty fifty cent coin. Now the next year, people had complained that the fifty cent coin was too too similar to the size of the twenty cent coin. They kept getting confused. So the next year they said, okay, we're going to make it into this octagonal shape rather than the round shape. And they yep. went to do it again and went, holy cow! The price of silver had gone up by so much they couldn't afford to use silver in the coins. Yep. So 1966, you know, it's a third of an ounce of silver. The next year, it was like no ounces of silver. It was so just those, this it worth quite a bit of money, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. if, if you have a look on eBay and that sort of stuff, you know, people are buying, uh, there's the, the, the half dollar in the US was the eagle or something like that. There were some silver coins and gold coins printed, you know, 50, 60, 100 years ago that are now changing hands for significant values. Because it's it's harder to get now. And they're so rare too. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, you, you you were saying before about you know waiting months and months and months to actually get your timber supplies. Now the the issue is because you can buy exchange traded funds, so you can see spot silver and spot gold are changing value at bigger values than what they were last year and the year before, but still not really significantly high. Like by all estimates, gold should be five thousand dollars an ounce. Silver should be at least a thousand dollars an ounce. Um, but the, the price has been manipulated because there's, there's literally central banks who can take like a ton of gold and just as they do with fractional reserve banking, they lend out a lot more than what they've got on hand. They literally trade out, you know, 15 tonnes of bits of paper. But if you actually want the physical gold, you're going to have to wait four months, six months. If you want physical silver, bad luck, you can't buy an ounce of silver from the bullion exchange anymore. You've got to buy it by the kilo or a three kilo bar yeah. and you might be waiting four months for it to come. So I know we had a bit of a bull run with silver back in, what, 2009, 2010, 11, something like that? Yeah, after the GFC. Because yeah, that was the GFC, first time they started went, printing money like crazy. It went crazy. Silver went crazy. Mm. And it just went through the roof. Then it sort of tanked down and sat there for, for a long time. And, and apparently silver is more rare than gold. Um, it's it's more, use more rare. More. We yeah, use we, we, we use more. That's that's the thing. Like gold, like there's there's still the same amount of gold that there was a million years ago. You know, some yep. of it we've turned into coins and rings and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's it's still there. You could actually go and reclaim all those bits of gold. 
Whereas silver does actually get used up. It gets used up in solar panels and it's not recovered. It can't be, can't be recycled yep. from there. Yep. It's used up in photographic processing. Um, it's used up in medical sterilizing. Colloidal, so colloidal we actually silver. destroy some of the silver every year. Colloidal silver, people drink it and turn yep. blue. Yep, yep. Right. And you can't um, recycle that, mate. Yeah, you can't. Did you see that guy that turned to a smurf? There's a few of those. Yeah, so he kept drinking colloidal silver and then it photosynthesized and now he looks blue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Went overboard. So, you, you know, you, you can always get too much of a good thing. That's exactly. Fun. That's why we should diversify. You know, don't just drink silver. Drink gold as well. Drink property. <laughs> That's right. So, um, but anyway, so, so at the moment we've got low interest rates but high inflation. Mm-hmm. However, the inflation, official inflation is low. The official inflation is low, yes, because they've edited what they actually used to call a basket of goods. A basket yes. of goods used to include your rent cost or your mortgage cost. Yeah, because I'm looking um, now. I'm looking now at um, what's the Australian inflation? Yeah. What is it? You know, off my heart, or should I? Google uh, it? It's like officially, it's one and a half, two percent, but yeah. that's lies. That's that's yeah. lies yeah. from the government. You go yeah. shopping, mate. You tell me what it is. Exactly. So, um, so it's a fascinating time we're living in because a lot of um, electronics and things like that are still going down in, down in price. Yep. That's right? how they manipulate the figures because they, right. they say, yeah, we, we won't include rent in a, in a basket of goods anymore. We'll include, you know, the TVs that are made in China. Yeah. And but they go I, down. I remember buying a 50 centimeter TV you know, 10, 15 years ago and it was $500. Yep. And that was a 50 centimetre, not 50 inches. Now you can buy 50 inches for $500. They give you one for free for 22 inches. I remember when 22-inch TVs were really exciting. Yeah, so that they can't manipulate the actual prices because we know the price of rent and the price of petrol is going up, but they can manipulate the mix. And this is something, if, if you go shopping and you used to buy a 250-gram chocolate bar or a 250-gram you know, bag of potato chips, have a look at the fine print now because it's now 175 grams. It's now 165 grams. So they haven't changed the price, but they just start giving you less and less and less. And yep. that's how they fudge the figures. That's how they trick you. I call it the stealth tax. Inflation is a stealth tax because it's taking it's, money it's, from you and you don't realise it. Yep. It's taking money from the poor and the uneducated mm-hmm. and giving it to the rich and the wealthy investors and the smart investors. That's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, right. I did. A, I did a TV interview a few weeks ago, and they were talking about, you know, do you think it's going to be the V-shaped recovery? Because obviously everything went down, yep. and then you know people are suddenly going to bounce back, and they're going to go, oh, last twelve months I didn't go on any holidays, so I'm going to go on four holidays now. Or last twelve months I didn't go out to see any movies or have any dinners at restaurants. Now I'm going to have it fifteen dinners at restaurants. No, people aren't going to do that. You can't have your whole year's worth of holidays in in six months. So I'm, also, I'm it's, it's not going to be a V-shaped recovery. You don't it's think so? It's going to be L-shaped. It's going to be a long, slow recovery. Okay, because okay. You're, you're a wise man. So you, you follow George Class and these guys who say, set aside, you know, 10% of your income every month. Yes. And, and invest with that. So if you set aside 10% of your income every month, at the end of 12 months, um, you've got one month's income. Exactly. Right? Which is, That's which all you've got. Yep. So if you do that for a while, but then if you get sick, you get sick for one month, You've wiped out a year of savings. So only if you don't month. get paid. Only if you don't get paid, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but a month, uh, I guess you won't get paid for a month. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You have a bad month, whether you're sick or whether you have a bad thing in yeah. business or whatever. Yeah. But one bad month can wipe out a year. So we've just had a bad year in the world. 
and it's going to take five, ten years to recover. But the interesting thing is, it's not a V shape; it's actually a K shape recovery. Okay. So the, the wealthiest, wealthiest ten percent of people have made massive returns. Yes. And the bottom ninety percent, they're going down, but they just don't know it yet. And the problem is, everyone who hasn't got assets at the moment are going down really. So in Australia, it's slightly different because I mean. I predicted the property market to have a V-shape, and it certainly is a V-shape recovery for the property. Mm. It's bounced back like crazy. But um, I think with people's money in the bank over the next 12 months, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Now, how long Cash in the bank. Uh, what, what, was it Michael Saylor or someone who said that, that I realised my company was holding a giant ice cube. You try holding an ice cube. He's not going to hold it for long. Oh, what, that's so a, he, Saying, I like yeah, it. so he, he was just watching, you know, yes, his, his company had billions and billions of dollars in cash reserves, but because the, the central bank was printing so much more, he's like, screw this, and he started dropping his money into crypto. So. Interesting. So like Apple, for example, mm. they've got a ton of cash. Yep. So you'd think they're pretty smart, and why are they holding cash? But see, um, Elon Musk, what did he do? 5% Five, of... of um, Tesla's cash reserves into Bitcoin. Yep. Because Bitcoin is scarce like gold. It's he, basically he, digital gold. Didn't he invest like 1.5 billion? Yeah. Yeah, 1.5 billion, which was 5% of their, yeah. their cash that they had sitting yeah. on there. Because the thing with Tesla is they take your money now and they give you a car a year later. I know. But like, so they're holding on to cash like crazy. And they don't advertise. Mm. They don't advertise. And they, the, they the interesting thing was, like when when Musk came out and said, "Okay, Tesla's just put one point five billion dollars into into Bitcoin," in the next month that Bitcoin went up. Obviously, you know, yep. Because he, he, made made money he made more money off of the Bitcoin, or Tesla made more money off of Bitcoin in one month than they did of fourteen years of selling cars. Look at that! Now look at those. <laughs> now, that is a genius move because Elon Musk is a smart man. And, and the thing is, though, I mean, there's another, there's an extra smart thing what he did because he announced it to everyone, which pushed the price up after he put the money in. So he's very clever there too. Because yeah. I couldn't do that. I, mean, I could say, look, here, I'll put $3 million in. I can't put a billion in because I haven't got a billion dollars. <laughs> so, but, so that's very interesting, fascinating stuff. So the low interest rates and high inflation is an extra bad thing for money in the bank. Because mm. normally you've got high inflation, high interest rates. And the RBA aren't putting the interest rates up until they have real wage rise. And yeah. at the moment, wage is going up by 1.2%, mm. 1.5 per annum, which is tiny. Um, so it's not going to happen. And the official interest rate, um, wages are going up the official, um, close to the official, um, what do you call it, inflation rate, which yeah. is tiny at the moment. So and you can see why they manipulate the official inflation rate because they can keep paying the underprivileged people the minimum wage. I mean, oh, there was yeah, you know, with with the recovery going on in America, they were saying, "Oh, no one wants to work anymore because they've all got their stimulus checks. They don't want to go to work. We've opened up restaurants. No one wants to come to work." And yeah. one guy said, "I'll get them to work." He advertised nine dollars twenty-five an hour for the minimum wage for for you know waiters and waitresses in his restaurant, and he he got them got three hundred people. Yep. Because everybody else is paying seven dollars twenty-five. You go, oh yeah, seven dollars US, but come on, it's not triple. You no. know, it's like a dollar thirty. So seven dollars US, maybe that's not more than money. Australia. Yeah, it, it's know, not, that's their minimum yeah. wage. Yeah, it's terrible. It's really terrible. 
But so how, the, the wealth of the wealthiest people has increased by a lot more than one point one point five percent. It certainly has. All the all the wealthy, all the people online have made so much money. Now, have you heard about the negative interest rates in Northern Europe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually aware of that a, a while ago, like more than eighteen months ago. Yeah, because they've been playing um, around with that. So tell me more about that, because I'm very curious. Because they're paying people to take a loan. It's it's my head's ridiculous. Up right now, please. I want. I want <laughs> it's it's living in the upside down because even, even though we can go back and we can check the fiat currency of ancient Rome, we know what an ounce of gold bought a man an outfit in six thousand BC in Egypt. You know, like we we know that sort of stuff. We know the Chinese were the first to invent paper currency in the eleventh century. And yep. then they started printing too much of it and devalued and the empire went bankrupt. But yep. negative interest rates has never happened in the history of the world. No. It never happened. And, and the Swiss started doing it and the Italians started doing it because they were on the Swiss border and then somebody else started doing it and going, okay. And, and the Bank of Germany um, a few weeks ago was actually turning away depositors because yeah, you know, Eurozone, you can just drive for half an hour and you're in another country. Yep, so yep. if you're getting negative interest rates in Italy or in Switzerland, you could drive across the border Germany, and yeah, course, say, yeah. I've got a million dollars, I'm going to whack into the into turn deposit in Germany and at least get 0.5% interest because yep. I'm getting negative one over there. And the German bank was saying, we're not taking any more deposits. We refuse to take any more deposits. People are like, you're a bank, dude, that's how you make money. But they wouldn't take the money on because it was actually a risk for them. That's crazy. So banks not wanting to take money. Now, yep. who would have thought... That would ever happen in the history, because interest interest has been around for about five thousand years now. Yeah, and this is the cheapest interest rates we've ever had in five thousand years, mm. which is crazy when you think about it. Like out of all those, that's five thousand a long time. If people don't think about, it, that's back in the Egyptian days. Yeah, you know, and so with the cheapest interest rate in five thousand years, there's a lot of things that are happening now that have never happened before. So how do we navigate these times? Because Let's face it, it's never happened before. So what do we do? What do we learn from? How do we navigate these times? Talk to grandma and grandpa because they had to get used to not only a different currency but a different measurement system. So, you know, my grandma, you know, one day she was five foot six and then the next day she woke up and she was 163 centimetres. Like how do you do the math in your head when you've been used to your whole life being five foot six? And, yep. you know, a bag of potatoes used to cost you know, three shilling and sixpence or whatever. And now she's got to pay 58 cents and count out the currency. So there's there's change in the wind. And the only thing that can actually fix this system, this entirely broken system that has come out of the US but now spread around the whole world, is a currency reset. So, you know, we've had El Salvador yesterday saying, we're actually abandoning the US dollar. I heard that. And we're going to conduct all transactions in Bitcoin. Right, so everybody in the country is going to use bitcoins. They're going to be the official currency for El Salvador. Now, Paraguay, Brazil, and someone else I can't remember right now are lined up next. Like Central American countries are lining up to abandon the US dollar and use bitcoin. And it'll be interesting because bitcoin is a deflationary asset because it's limited, it can't be printed, it can't be manipulated like the US dollar. So, we're going to see a deflationary economy rather than an inflationary economy that we've had for hundreds of years. Yeah, I must say that I'm very shocked that any country would use Bitcoin as a currency. Mm. Also, I'm shocked that suddenly America don't say El Salvador needs a bit of freedom 
and we're going to do some <laughs> Wait for it. Wait for it. Right, yeah, all so this saber-rattling that's been going on with China in the last six or eight months, and the US is saying, oh, China's doing this and China's doing that. Well, China overtook the US as the world's largest economy. And China said, we're going to print a central bank digital currency. We're going to have a digital yuan so we don't need any paper currency and we don't settle any contracts in US dollars. So obviously that's going to save them a fortune because it actually costs money to print out paper notes. And then you've got to put them in an armoured car and then you've got to pay someone to truck them across and you've got to pay for the guys that use the submachine guns to protect this cash. But if you can just do it digitally, it costs nothing. So the government will save millions and millions of dollars and they won't need bank branches. They won't need armor guard security cars and that sort of stuff. And people are going to want to settle money instantly without paper, without waiting for a three-day transfer. The central bank digital currency is going to be a thing. So, of course, the US is going to say the Chinese have got weapons of mass destruction and blah, blah, blah. So, But it, it's interesting. I was just having this conversation before we started the call. Like, How can we try and fathom a deflationary economy? But, you know, and, and again, you know, Bitcoin has got volatility, like gold price has got volatility. But before 1913, before the creation of the Federal Reserve, what, a $10 note in the US was actually valid for an ounce of gold. So you could walk into the bank, give them a $10 note, they'd give you an ounce of gold. Or you give them an ounce of gold, they'd give you a $10 note. And no one in the US was going, oh, my God, the gold price is fluctuating every day, which it was back then just as much as it is now. You know, it goes oh, yeah, up by yeah. 1%, down by 2%, whatever. But yep. people in the US aren't looking at their currency in their wallet and going, oh, my God, my, my wallet, my paycheck has gone up by 3% against the Australian dollar or down 2% against the Chinese no, yuan. They don't, they don't, no. They're not looking at that shit. No. So when, when they had the currency that was backed by gold, it was just the currency was the currency was the currency. And it was indistinguishable from gold. You could either carry gold or you could carry paper money. People chose to carry paper money because it was lighter to transport around. Compared to gold, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. and, yeah. and English, like it's called the pound sterling because they chose the silver system, sterling silver. Yeah. So I think it was from like, when was it, 1500s or something like 1200s? For 300 years, the pound in England was backed by sterling silver. And yeah. guess what? In that 300 years, how much inflation was? Zero. Zero, yes. Zero. So if your great, great, great grandparents had bought a house for 10,000 pounds, and 100 years later, you wanted to sell that house, you'd still get £100 for it. If a jacket cost you £5, a jacket still cost you £5. A century later, there was no inflation. You knew what the prices were. And now it seems like every time we go to the grocery store, we have to adjust the inflation every single week. Yeah. So we've got to be preparing ourselves mentally. It's going to be a hard adjustment because we've been in an inflationary economy for the last couple of hundred years, and now it's going the other way. Okay, so um, are you saying we're going to go from inflation to deflation? Yeah, because countries are going to start demanding that they actually stop the money, the rampant money printing. Yeah, and okay. Particularly but, but, the yeah. inequality of wealth that it creates as well. I mean, we're setting society up for failure. If there's 10% of the society getting super wealthy and 90% of the society getting super poor, that's going to set you up for some kind of French revolution. Well, and we don't want the pitchforks coming out. No, but the disparity in money has grown every year now. Like it's, it's getting worse now than it was in 1929. Yeah, it's accelerating. And 1929 was bad, but now mm. it was like a huge difference because you got those very few people. Like even in Australia now, we got 104 billionaires in Australia. Yeah. Right? We didn't have 104 billionaires two years ago. No. And how many people living on the poverty line compared to what they were a couple of years ago? 
Exactly. And that's the challenge because of that disparity where we need to sort of, needs to be a little bit more evened out. And I guess we're lucky here in Australia compared to America. We don't have too many people on the poverty line like in America. Mm. So if, if, they re, if they reset the currency, and there's, there's already talk about it. At the moment. How, how would they reset the currency? What do they do? Um, well, basically, like, like what they did in Zimbabwe, like once, once the billions and trillions and zimbillions of dollars had gotten out of control, then yep. they just went, okay, stop that. We're going to go into a new system. And they started issuing farmers' depository notes or something like that. Um, they gave it a different name and they went back to like a dollar, you know, one. But it was a one FDR. Um, you know, in, in other countries, they have done this. So particularly in Central American countries like Brazil went from, I can't remember what their currency was before the real, um, but they've reset their currency. So there's people in the IMF right now having secret meetings talking about IMF's going to issue SDRs, standard depository receipts, and they can use those instead of the US dollar. And how would that affect people? Well, if you've got cash in the bank, so imagine, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you were a millionaire, you sold whatever you had, your business, your house, whatever, and you put a million dollars in the Bank of Zimbabwe. And you go, woohoo, I'm freaking rich. Right? Oh, then you, you then go on holiday for 12 months and you come back and you go to the bank and they say, oh, sorry, we closed your account because of insufficient balance. And you go, what do you mean insufficient balance? I had a million dollars in there. And they said, no, no, we sent you a letter. You go home and there's a letter saying, from the bank saying, we closed your account. A million dollars is insufficient balance. And on the front of the, of, of the envelope is a stamp for $260 trillion. Wow. And you go, holy crap. I had a lot of cash, but it was all in paper. That is, that, is, that is amazing, that story. Wow. And the stamp is worth more than what they had in the bank, and they were rich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so you don't want to end yeah. up like that guy um, no. at all. At and all. This, is, this is literally what can happen. You know, as, as I say, it's, it's happened... It, yeah, people are oh, yeah, that happened in Zimbabwe, that happened in Germany, that happened in Venezuela, but it won't happen here. Well, guess what? It's already happening. It's been happening for a long time. It's just happening slowly. And it's like putting the frog in the water. You can boil him really slowly. He won't notice it. So they, they take, you know, a couple of percent, 10 or 15% away by inflation, but they reduce the portion sizes. You know, they pretend to give you a 1% pay increase. They give you a couple of stimulus checks. And you don't tend to notice what's going on until three years down the track when you notice, like, I haven't saved any money. And if I got sick for a month and couldn't go to work, I've got nothing, you know. And you, you find yourself poor in three or four years' time, and particularly if you've got cash in the bank and they're devaluing the cash or they suddenly come out and say, you know, instead of using Australian dollars, we're now going to use, I don't know, Belgian bureaucrats or something like that, and you get one for five, yeah, great. But... It's, again, the people who have got cash in the bank who are going to lose. People who have got assets are going to keep seeing those assets go up in value. Yep. Interesting. So I guess at the end of the day, we've answered the question of what side of the coin you want to be on. You know, do you want to have assets, real assets that go up, or do you want to have cash, you know, currency, which is getting devalued day by day, day by day, and it just keeps going down? And look, I mean... Wouldn't surprise me. The point at the moment, our official interest rate's 0.1. Now, could we go to negative interest rates in Australia? Could that happen? Absolutely. And, and mean, the crazy thing is, like, there's there's negative yielding bonds in the USA and in Japan and in Germany and these I other countries. Who would buy those bonds? Like, why would you want those bonds? 
Um, so, so let's, let's look at it this way. If you've got $100 million yep. and you're very risk averse, okay? So you say, okay, I could put this $100 million, in, like I'm, I'm talking, you're a, you're a hedge fund manager, right? Because I know, George, you, you've only got $98 million. Um, so, uh, but $100 million is just for easy maths. You say, I can put that into stock market, but the stock market might crash and I'll lose half of it. So I would rather put it into a negative 2% bond and know that next year I'm going to have $98 million for sure, absolutely guaranteed, uh -huh. then take the risk of maybe it'll be 40, maybe it'll be 50. And there's, there's still, I mean, there's people out there right now who are facing the same decision. They're actually in negative. So they're, they're paying a 2% premium to keep their money safe. Yeah. And that's, again, like saying my, my folks who retired like 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they could put their million dollars in the bank and they could earn 5% and they yep. could live on that. Yeah. And now they can't. So they put their million dollars in the bank right now. They make 0.1%. But if inflation's going up by 2%, guess what? They're going backwards by 2%. They're actually losing 2% a year, probably more like 5% a year they're actually losing. Totally. And they still won't invest in stocks and in crypto because, oh, we're old-fashioned. You know, we prefer the security. You prefer the security of losing 5% every year guarantee yeah. rather than the possibility of making 30 50 or 100%. Yeah, and the deal is, I mean, inflation, we don't know what it's going to be. I mean, it, we don't know what it really is. That's the problem. And if it goes up like it did in the 90s, when it went up, uh, when was it? The um, early, late 80s. Late 80s, early 90s. That's when I got yeah. into financial planning, 92, yeah. and it was like 18% interest. Yes, because so, I remember those days when there was interest rates over 24% at some banks. Sorry? Some banks were charging over twenty four percent interest back in the yeah. days, and yeah, yeah, because I could get eighteen percent on term deposit. Yeah, crazy, and that's uh, like wow. Look but inflation was running about thirteen percent then, so you were still five percent in front after inflation. But now the inflation is just ridiculous, which is why the government's lying and trying to cover it up. But you could take a guess and look at the the M one money supply. Just Google the chart of the M one money supply and see that. The M1 money supply has increased by 25% in the US. So if there's 25% more money, it stands to reason that on average, gone prices down. are going to go up by 25%. Yep. Right? The fact that timber's gone up by 300 and silver's gone up by 150 and gold's gone up by you know 20 or 30%, that just means some other things are going to go up by a little bit less. You know, But on yeah. average, your grocery bill, your rent, your whatever is going to cost you 25% more. Yeah, so building materials in Australia have gone up quite significantly. And yeah. on average, they've averaged out to 15 20% for a house. So yeah. it costs 15 20% more to build a house now than what it did a year ago, yeah. which is quite substantial when you think about it. That's because, you know, when you think about the, the building industry, I mean, 50% of Victoria's economy is the building industry. Mm. So when you talk about 50% of the economy and those costs going up 15 20%, that's quite a real big, massive thing that's gone up that no one's noticed or said anything yeah. about. You know? Yeah, and, and all of the building material has got to be trucked from somewhere to somewhere else. So when fuel goes up by 10 or 15%, that gets factored into the cost of that as well. You know, your Big Macs are going to cost more because they've got to get trucked from the farm to the table. So yeah. everything that's it's got to be trucked or shipped or whatever, all those things are going to go up. There you go. Yeah. So fascinating, interesting, interesting. Well, look, I think um, our time's almost up. I think. When, when do we get into answering all the questions, mate? Can we do that? 
Okay, guys, let's answer the questions. Guys, start asking some questions. I'm going to go in and have a look and answer some questions. I like that idea. Cause yeah, I, I keep watching this little thing scrolling all the way up, and I'm like, oh, there's a good question. Okay. It's, it's so let's, have <laughs> let's have a look at the questions. I think you can scroll up and down as well. Can I? Yeah, if you want to read a few, let's just get into it. Um, how does I do, the US, don't know how to do that. Okay, let's go here. How does the US bankruptcy actually play out? The US bankruptcy, well, they're going to stave it off for as long as they can, obviously, as any, any business would, but sooner or later, they're going to have to renegotiate terms. And this is why, you know, the, the guys who are actually the chairman of the, of the Federal Reserve is actually in meetings with the IMF um, mm -hmm. to say, okay, what can we do? What can we reissue? Can we issue a gold-backed currency? Can we issue a Bitcoin-backed currency? Can we issue something that's backed by the IMF, which is why they've floated the idea of these SDRs, the Standard Depository Receipts. You won't see it printed in the newspaper, but if you Google it, you'll find a lot of information about it. Okay. Now, I've got another Facebook user. Lisa and I would like to take you out to lunch, George. Excellent. Thank you. I love it. That's good. What about me? What am I, chop liver? Exactly. <laughs> if you're up in Queensland, take Jeremy out to lunch. He's worthwhile. Okay. Um, how much did your teeth cost? Well, we're not going to answer that one. That'll cost you a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you look great, George. Thank you. How much did your pectoral implants cost? <laughs> a lot of hours of sweat. I know that one, Mike. That's right, exactly. Um, someone's saying, lol, so you need your money in the bank for 80 years to see a return. That's right. Mm -hmm. I like silver or gold. It has higher liquidity. Has it? Sorry, what's that? Okay. I like silver over gold. It has a higher liquidity. Is that true? Yeah, there's, there's 17 times as much silver as there is gold on the planet yeah um, except for the parts that we destroy every year yep. and if you look over thousands and thousands of years because we know what the price of gold was in in ancient rome and ancient egypt we know what the price of silver was back in those times so yep. there's always been this ratio of around about 15 to 1 even before the geologists discovered there was you know 17 times as much silver um i think it was napoleon or someone who actually fixed the ratio around about 15 and a half and isaac newton before then so they had this thing, it was always 15 silver coins to every one gold coin. So any time that you see you know, what the price of gold is and what the price of silver is, if the ratio is not quite 15 to 1, it can be a huge opportunity to actually buy one over the other. And I think at the moment silver is significantly undervalued compared to gold. Mm. Gold attracts a lot of attention. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really the one that gets the headlines. It's like people think that Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency or that crypto True. is Bitcoin. But it's Bitcoin's not. There's, the there's 8,000 different cryptos. Yeah, there's 8,000 yeah. different cryptos. Bitcoin's just the most famous one, and gold's the most famous one that attracts a lot of the headlines. But mm -hmm. oftentimes you can actually buy silver and get a better return out of silver than you can out of gold. I think last year um, I bought into a gold miner and a silver miner, and when the gold price went up, obviously the the still sorry the gold miner went up um, by about 20 percent, but the silver miner went up by 150 percent. Wow, because okay. the price of silver went up a lot faster than the price of gold. Interesting. Um, someone said next month, Jeremy. There you go. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So um, someone's saying, will inflation ever go back to over 5%? Will interest rates ever get back up over 10%? Uh, only if we have the currency reset. Now, this is the thing. Like Once we started lowering the interest rates, you can't really jack them back up. Like 
when interest rates were 4 and 5% a couple of years ago, there's no way that it was going to go back up to 18% like it was when we're talking about like late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I just can't go up. You imagine if you're taking out a million dollar loan at 4% and all of a sudden you've got to pay 18%. Do yeah. the calculation because yeah. your repayments go up significantly. So um, ask, though, how do they get away of it back in the late 80s? Like, I mean, that was never, I mean, those interest rates were crazy. And how yeah. do people survive? I mean, my parents, they bought a house and they were paying 18%. I don't know yeah, how they yeah. Like how well, it, was, it, was, it was short term. It was short term because like interest rates before that were about, you know, sort of eight, ten, twelve percent. Yeah. And you know, people started buying too many houses and going too nuts. So they turned the interest rates up one percent, two percent, three percent to try and stop people from buying houses. And yep. because people have got a lag time, because if prices get more expensive, you just tighten your belt. So yep. the the RBA kept turning it up, and it was about six months afterwards that people kind of went. Okay, I'm going to stop borrowing now. But unfortunately, I mean, there was a bit of a crash. I mean, back in the yeah, early yeah. 90s, the property yeah, price yeah. plummeted. And I remember good driving yes. that green because I was living in Sydney at the time. And then suddenly, before we knew it, the whole of Sydney was just empty. Yeah. <laughs> like all, all the offices just were out for lease. Between, I drove between 87 and 92, the prices pretty well doubled, if you yes, have a look at it. It did. They so the crash, it was kind of the crash we needed to have. But the funny thing is, though, after the crash, we had the biggest boom ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And that's what always happens after a crash. And I keep telling people because people don't get that. Um, someone said- Everything's uh, an overreaction. So like we had the 1987 stock market crash. Everybody yeah. started piling into property. So we had four yeah. years of massive property growth, but it got too big too soon. Yeah. And then we had the crash. It crashed too far, which made them too cheap. And then people start buying them. And people always overreact. It's like driving with your foot on the brake and then your foot on the clutch and you know, on, on the accelerator. Sorry. Yep. There's um, always too, too many extremes, exactly. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, what do you do with cash? Someone asked. Um, get rid of it any which way you can. Take a leaf out of the book of Tesla, Elon Musk, Michael Saylor. You know, these guys are billionaires. Um, Warren Buffett who was always the guy who said, I'll never invest in crypto. It's bullshit. I won't touch it. I don't understand it. Uh, Warren Buffett wasn't investing in Yahoo and Google back in 1999 when they were the next best thing. Yep. Now, he's just put $500 million into Nubank, N-U Bank, uh, mm -hmm. in Brazil, which is a digital bank. So you don't get a checkbook. You don't get – there's no money. There's no ATMs. There's nothing like that. It's just digital online banking. Which is basically, you know, stable coins in what in cryptocurrency, what we call a stable coin. Yeah. You can actually yeah. buy a digital US dollar or a digital Chinese dollar or whatever. So Warren Buffett's just investing this for the first time, and these other guys who are actually getting rid of their cash that was on their books and putting them into something that's actually, you know, more scarce. Yep, and there's not, something else that's really scarce, which is amazing. It's called property. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, really, what you want to do is you want to put your money in real assets. Real estate, real assets, gold, anything like that, because real assets are going to go up. Yeah, you've got to diversify, as, as we yeah. were saying before. Assets are going up, cash is going down. That's the fact of it. How likely is a reset? Someone's asking. Uh, becomes more likely by the day. Because, again, we, we start to get into these areas where, you know, even the best economists, and I'm, I'm not the smartest economist. I've just learned from people who are older and wiser than me. And I've, I've studied charts going back 200 years. I've read about the Chinese currency and about the, the British pound and this sort of stuff because I can study back a 1,000 years and see what went on 
And of course, there was wars and there was empires that rose and fell and things like that. We see, again, what the Egyptians or the Romans or the Chinese or what the Phoenicians were doing. Um, and we can see what the interest rates were like. We can see what the price of gold and silver and, and currency was like. But no one has ever delved into the negative interest rates. No, no one's ever had a sustained period of inflation like this. Inflation is usually a short-term reaction um, mm -hmm. that was going on during the OPEC oil crisis in the late 70s when, you know, fuel prices went up by 300% within a year uh, when the Arab nations basically said, you know, we're not, not supplying America anymore. Um, so it's usually a short-term thing, but this is going on and on and on for too long. And it's just we have to actually throw a switch. And it's either going to be a very, very painful switch where they suddenly say, okay, well, you know, there's no inflation, the interest rates are going back up to 12%, in which case everybody's going to lose their house. Or they're going to say, oh, we're going to introduce this new thing. And they'll package it up nicely. You know, because when they brought in the dollars, like my grandma was ticked off because she was used to thinking in pounds, shelling in pants. She was yep. ticked off. Now I'm going to have to start thinking in decimals. Now I'm going to have to start thinking in centimetres instead of inches. But they'll package it up nicely. They'll make you a special offer. The government loves you and they want you to not panic because if we panic, then we're going to have this sort of, French Revolution sort of riots in the streets. We don't want that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we don't want that at all. Yeah, so look, I, I think, um, like, when you think about this, the COVID hasn't happened since the Spanish flu 100 years ago. We can see what happened to the Spanish flu. Spanish, Spanish flu. And um, interesting, but obviously they didn't have negative interest rates after that, did they? No. No. So very different. And also the Spanish flu killed a lot more people than what COVID did. Mm. So very different back then. No one, there was no stimulus packages, no money getting done. It was very different. So I'm curious about this reset because you know people have been talking about this since 2008. Yeah, oh, that, like, that's when they started the money printing, and that was like, yeah. like that's what people the, have been the, talking the, about since then. And yeah. it still hasn't happened. And I feel like there's still a lot of movement there, a lot of a lot of room to print more money and still do things. I mean. Every every year, everyone's like, "Oh shit, America! They can't print anymore." But they do; <laughs> they get away with it. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how Absolutely. long it's going to last, but um, seems to keep lasting. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like a bubble, you know. When there's a property bubble, when there's a stock market bubble, how long is it going to last before it goes pop? And again, in the interest of diversification, you know, like 2018, so three years ago, Bitcoin went from a thousand bucks up to twenty thousand bucks. You know, in a year, and people go, oh, my God, it's a bubble, it's a bubble. When's it going to pop? We don't know. But it was like gone from 1,000 to 18,000. Do you jump out then or do you wait? You know, do you buy at 18,000 and wait for it to go to 20 and then, then see if it pops? So the idea is diversify, but also sometimes you want to ride the bubble. Like right now, you know, Bitcoin's gone from $64,000 down to $36,000. It's starting to climb back up again. How long before it hits hits sixty four thousand? How long before it hits a hundred thousand? How long before it drops back down to fifty thousand? You know, yeah, we're going to have these peaks and crashes. And again, in the property market, as you said before, it got really, really big, increased by four hundred percent, dropped back by fifty percent, and then it picked up again. So you can either hold a diversified portfolio, stocks, you know, bonds, crypto, precious metals, whatever, and you've got all of those things. And then if one crashes, it doesn't matter, and you can hold them all for the longer term. Otherwise, you've got to get very, very good at tap dancing out of one asset class into the other. Mm -hmm. Okay, there you go. Interesting. So I think we've answered all the serious questions we had here. We had a few non-serious ones. 
<laughs> the reset's definitely going to happen. Don't know when, but I'd be thinking within the next two years. So come back, bookmark this, and come back in like what? What are we? Twenty twenty three, and check. Yeah, look, I I think um, when you look back towards this podcast in a year or two, or look at this live, one thing will be for sure. There's been a lot. There's a lot of money printing, and that's going to devalue people's spending power, and it's going to devalue people's money in the bank. That's one thing for sure. Rest of the stuff, personally, I don't know. Who knows? Because it's unprecedented. I'm curious about negative interest rates that they come in Australia. But I do think, um, you know, putting a percentage of money in crypto could work. But I also think getting real assets and buying property and buying assets that are going to go up is a smart idea. And that's just what I do. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Really, really appreciate it. It's always fascinating having a chat to you. And, um, you know... In a year's time, it's going to be winners and losers, as always. And what we need to do is emulate and see what the wealthy investors do, emulate what they do, model what they do. That normally works. Cheers. Have a good night. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Thank Thanks for the questions. Thank you for listening. I'm grateful for all our listeners around the world. If you found this podcast valuable, please share with someone that might find this useful. And please join our tribe of purpose-driven investors, increasing income and impact in our Facebook group, Positive Property. Please note, we have a multi-million dollar property portfolio and a passive income. I've become incredibly successful at investing in property. The fact of it is, however, many people may find investing in property challenging. It's not easy. It takes a lot of hard work. However, becoming educated to make an informed decision and having the right advisors gives you the tools you need to succeed. The most important part of this formula, however, is to actually take action and apply that knowledge. It is important to understand the information I share is of a general nature only and is not taking into account your unique circumstances. If you're considering investing in any asset class, you need to seek the advice of an independent professional advisor who will be able to look at your specific situation. Be sure your advisor has actually achieved the kind of results you're seeking. Many won't have, so beware. We've taken great care putting those educational resources together. We'd be surprised if you didn't find any errors or omissions. If you do, our legal team says we have to say we're not responsible for those. In fact, as with all things, even your success, we're not responsible. That responsibility always has and always will come down to you and the actions you take. We're passionate about supporting you in that process and helping you increase your ability to create wealth live the life you desire, provide all the things you dream of for you and your family.